Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. From the heart of the Carolinas, a breath of fresh air, a voice of reason, this is the Vince Coakley Radio Program. And good morning. Welcome to the broadcast. Good to be back with you on this Monday as we start another broadcast week. And sadly, as we start off the week, we find ourselves in much the same situation that we were in at the end of the week. I'm talking about our economy. You know, it's one thing when you have adverse circumstances and you see things that are taking place to mitigate there's those circumstances you see action that's taken positive action you know you reverse course I mean if you're at home you're running your own home and you're dealing with your own expenses you recognize you know what I need to make some adjustments in our budget you might decide you know This is so bad, folks. We probably need to uh, think about getting other jobs. This is what normal people do. Unfortunately, in the highly charged political atmosphere that we have, what we have largely, especially in this election year, is an atmosphere of denial, as you're going to hear a little bit later on from the man who is allegedly in charge. I want to state again something that I've said before, and some of you may be weary of hearing it, but I think it's important to say because I don't want the impression here that this is a raw, raw Republican broadcast. It is not. This is ultimately not about political parties. This is about sound financial policies for our country. And in the very least, if we're not pursuing clearly sound policies, at least it would be nice to stop policies that are not sound. So with that in mind, I I felt like it was important to give that disclaimer at the very beginning. As I share with you some news I think is good. Because I want to make it very clear, there has to be a change at the leadership of the House and the Senate. There has to be a change. Let me add something else, because I want to make this very clear. It's not just a matter of changing the political party in power. I've said this before. I will say it again. I'm done with Mitch McConnell. I'm not impressed with McCarthy. I'm not. So that's one of my reservations. I'd like to see at least, I think these guys could stop the foolish policies and the overspending in some of the other very dangerous policies we've been pursuing over the last couple of years. I think they can effectively stop those policies. 
as to going in a different direction, that's another story. And that might be more of an issue for 2024 anyway. But here is some good news on some new polling that's out here in the final weeks before the November election. The most important issue for voters, it's not abortion, it's the economy. In fact, I think I mentioned on this program on Friday, I have watched some of the lesser known channels that are available, and I'm somebody has made a major buy with these abortion commercials, with these women. Just going on and on and on. I mean, it comes up in like every single break about protecting their rights and protecting women's reproductive freedom. It's nauseating. But it looks like for right now, unless there is a hidden factor here of turnout, this issue really is not up there. For most voters, it's the economy. Concerns about the economy and inflation. And on that, it looks like the Republican Party may very well take back power from Democrats in the midterms. The poll shows 49% of likely voters said they plan to vote for a Republican to represent them in Congress November 8th. 45% plan to vote for a Democrat. This is an improvement for Republicans since September, when Democrats held a one-point edge among likely voters. This is the Times-Siena poll. So with inflation unrelenting and the stock market steadily on the decline, the share of likely voters who said economic concerns were the most important issues facing America has leaped since July to 44% from 36%. So there's not less concern about the economy. There's greater concern about the economy. And voters most concerned with the economy favored Republicans overwhelmingly. Are you ready for this? By more than a two-to-one margin. Now, the Democrats and Republicans have largely coalesced behind their own party's congressional candidates, but the polls showed Republicans opened up a 10-point advantage among crucial independent voters, compared with a 3-point edge for Democrats in September, as undecided voters move toward Republicans. How many times have we talked about this, the importance of reaching those independents? The biggest shift? From women identifying as independent voters. In September, they favored Democrats by 14 points. You want to talk about a crazy swing? Are you ready for this swing? Favoring Democrats by 14 points in September. Now independent women backed Republicans by 18 points. This is a striking swing, given the polarization of the American electorate and how intensely Democrats have focused on that group and on the threat Republicans pose to abortion rights. The survey showed that the economy remained a far more potent political issue in 2022 than abortion. So they can keep running these commercials all they want. And maybe, regionally, it might be effective. I don't know. Robin Ackerman, 37-year-old Democrat and mortgage loan officer, 
lives in Newcastle, Delaware. Planning to vote Republican this fall. I'm shifting more towards Republican because I feel like they're more geared toward business. Hmm. Now, here's the other twist to this. Ms. Ackerman said she disagreed a thousand percent with the Supreme Court's decision to overturn Roe versus Wade and erase the so-called national right to abortion. But she said that doesn't really have a lot to do with my decision. I'm more worried about other things. <laughs> I love this. Here's somebody with some perspective. A balanced perspective, not just because she agrees with me. The first midterm election of a presidency has been historically challenging for the party-empowered Democrats. Approaching this one saddled with a president with a disapproval rating of 58%. And that's 63% among independent voters. We'll see if that ultimately makes a difference this fall. Coming up, you'll hear... The president's perspective on the economy as he enjoys his favorite dessert. Stay with us. Back on the broadcast as I wade through the very um, energetic text line, we'll put it that way. Vince, what policies are Democrats saying have made the economy better? (laughs) I've not heard anything of you. Vince, more bad economic news this morning. Are you still happy you voted for Biden? Are you going to lecture us on how much of a narcissist Donald Trump is? Need to put this uh, texture on the moron list, clearly. What's Biden's favorite dessert? Foot in mouth. (laughs) <laughs> Pretty much. Since I read the headline, I believe it was on Gateway Pundit over the weekend, that in deep blue Connecticut, Blumenthal is in a battle for his Senate seat. We definitely have to keep pushing. Jeff, it would be great if there would be a bunch of surprises like this. Where we have people who are convinced they're in safe seats, in safe races, and the bottom just completely falls out. I mean, that would be absolutely awesome. But I've also warned along the way that it's really important that you take nothing for granted. Don't assume just because the economy is bad that somehow this is going to work itself out. You've still got to turn out. Still got to turn out. Continue to have conversations with people around you. Urge them to vote and to vote wisely. That's vitally important. Vitally important. So what is Joe Biden's take on this? You know, it it just nauseates me to see these trips for ice cream. By the way, <laughs> I was quite shocked. And we're going to share this with you. I was quite shocked to see who has written an op-ed slamming Joe Biden for the comments you're about to hear. (laughs) New York Post, not very kind in the way they describe this story. Biden insists U.S. economy is strong as hell as he munches an ice cream cone. 
President Joe Biden apparently got brain freeze during a pit stop at an Oregon ice cream parlor over the weekend. Forgot about the millions of Americans suffering financially when asked about the economy. <laughs> He's in Oregon stumping for Democratic candidates in Portland ahead of the midterms. As inflation soars, and some experts warn of a looming recession in the country. The dollar, which is the world's reserve currency, has soared more than 20% in the past year, as stocks, gold, cryptocurrencies significantly down. Domestic inflation, highest level in four decades. So, Joe Biden has asked, are you concerned about the dollar, concerned about the economy? Here are his comments as he uh, ate his ice cream. I'm not concerned about the transfer of dollar. I'm concerned about the rest of the world. Does that make sense? Yes. Our economy is strong as hell. In the internals of it. Inflation is worldwide. It's worse off everywhere else than it is in the United States. So the problem is the lack of economic growth and sound policy in other countries, not so much ours. Okay, so he's concerned about other countries. They're the ones with the problem. We're okay here. <laughs> this is absolutely incredible. You know, and it's not like I expect somebody to act like they have their hair on fire. But here's a guy who's clearly unconcerned about you and what you're dealing with. Totally unconcerned. So it's really entertaining to see the words of Piers Morgan. Yes, that Piers Morgan. <laughs> the headline of this is worth the price of admission. How dare Biden lecture world leaders on how to run an economy, given how badly he's run America's. Yeah, it's bad. The economy's strong as hell, exclaimed a smug President Biden jubilantly on Saturday as he guzzled a large chocolate chip ice cream. The eye-boggling irony of this absurdly disingenuous statement would have been lost on America's ice cream vendors who are suffering a terrible year as the price of making it has soared by 13% driven largely by higher milk costs caused by higher dairy farming costs. What's behind these higher dairy farming costs? Inflation. The worst inflation at 8.2% for 40 years. The same catastrophic inflation that's led to a 30% increase in the cost of eggs. 17% for chicken. 14% for bread. 18% for gasoline and so on. You keep telling the American people the economy is strong as hell. But if tens, if not hundreds of millions of them are experiencing hell because of the economy, they're going to call BS. And that's exactly what they're doing. A damning new CBS YouGov poll reveals 65% of Americans believe the economy is getting worse. Only 15% say it's getting better. Boy, this better make a difference to the election. <laughs> Nearly two-thirds of registered voters think the Biden administration should be doing more to combat inflation. Two-thirds. 
And as for who's to blame for this, 91% say it's President Biden in varying degrees. 45% saying his personal culpability is a lot. Ooh. Little wonder that in another poll for Fox News, just 33% of registered voters said they would re-elect Biden, a lower figure than Trump or Obama ever had. 62% think he's a weak leader, with a majority also disapproving of his honesty, trustworthy, mental soundness to serve, and ability to care for ordinary Americans. In light of these shocking numbers, Biden's arrogant boasting was not just inappropriate, it's downright offensive. You heard him. He's not concerned about the strength of the dollar. Concerned about the rest of the world. Right? Then he breathed. Actually breached special relationship protocol to pick out new British Prime Minister Liz Truss for a personal attack when he was asked about her disastrous recent mini-budget, which tanked, tanked the pound led to humiliating U-turns on some of her biggest tax-cutting politics and forced her to fire her newly appointed chancellor. Biden says it was predictable. I wasn't the only one who thought it was a mistake, the idea of cutting taxes for the super wealthy. I disagree with that policy. (laughs) I'm going to share more of what Piers Morgan has to say about all this as we continue. Stay with us. goodness. So before the break, I was sharing with you a Piers Morgan piece, New York Post, slamming the president for his stupidity, making such an idiotic declaration about the economy being strong as hell. And you've heard the figures. We've shared them. Piers has shared them in this piece about the cost going up for everybody. And then when it got really personal for Piers Morgan... The part that you did not hear in terms of audio, Piers shares about how he essentially threw the new Prime Minister of Great Britain under the bus. Now, it's not just a personal slight, as you will hear. It goes further than that. After making his comments... And for those of you who may have missed this, Biden sneered, it was predictable. I wasn't the only one who thought it was a mistake, the idea of cutting taxes for the super wealthy. I disagree with that policy. (laughs) At which point he paused as if suddenly realizing that gleefully dancing on the political grave of the leader of America's number one ally was not a good look. And hastily added, but it's up to Britain to make that judgment, not me. Too late for that, Mr. President. You'd already told the world what you think and chucked trust under the presidential bus. And aside from his disloyalty, only last month he told trust in a news conference at the United Nations, I look forward to working closely with you. You're our closest ally in the world, and there's a lot we can continue to do together. 
Oh my gosh. What a duplicitous dope. What a backstabber. I mean, seriously. Pierce continues. Biden's got a flaming brass neck thinking he has the right to lecture any other world leader about their economic policies given the way he's handled the U.S. finances since taking office. Even if what he said about trust was broadly true. America's ice cream vendors are suffering a terrible year as the price of making it has soared by 13%. Remember we told you that? The very place he's talking about, the irony, about how strong the economy is. He's eating ice cream. (laughs) And he misses the irony about the fact the cost of making ice cream has gone up 13%. Right where he is. So as for Biden's very unwise comments about the British Prime Minister. It's like Kim Kardashian scorning people for being talentless, attention-seeking wastrels. They might be, but she's the last person on earth who should be attacking them for it. The truth is, (laughs) for being strong as hell, the U.S. economy is in a very precarious place and could easily tip into recession. The stock market's crashing, the housing market teetering on the brink of a sharp correction, interest rates rocketing, household wealth has been decimated, and the worst cost of living crisis in living memory continues to cause very real pain and hardship for so many American families struggling to pay their bills or feed their families. Yes, the aftershocks from the COVID pandemic have contributed to this as has the ongoing war in Ukraine. But President Biden repeatedly vowed to rescue and recover America, and so far he's done the opposite. Justice has promised to unite the country has led to even more division and partisan acrimony, mainly because he keeps insulting those who voted against him. So for him to now embark on some inexplicable self-congratulatory tour about the strongest hell U.S. economy and publicly trash talk his closest allies for not being as economically smart as him is a preposterous mischaracterization of the reality. As the Post revealed in a devastating investigation in 401k retirement accounts, the average American has lost $34,000 in the past year, or 25% of their savings. That's the cold, hard truth. The cold, hard, brutal truth about the impact of Bidenflation. So put your halo away, Mr. President. As author Zach Van put it, for every person who rides with a moral high horse, they also have a dead horse that they haven't fed lying somewhere out of sight. Wow. Piers Morgan's right on it. Right on it. You know, it's it's one thing for you to lecture other people in other countries about what they're doing when you're doing well. You have nothing to crow about. Not a single solitary thing. So the best thing to do is to sit down and shut up. I'm just being honest. Sit down and shut up.
there's, you clearly have nothing to offer. If you'd like to join the conversation, the Ingalls Markets Talk Line, 800-928-1110, 800-928-1110. The Common Sense Retirement Planning Text Line is 71307. There are a couple of stories that I saved from last week because I think they're vitally important. And again, I think it's important for me to say to you, I'm not a person who is into fear-mongering. I think we need to face reality. The reality is, I don't think we're in a very safe environment now for our country in terms of our foreign policy, international affairs. And I think the two countries that pose the biggest threat to the United States of America right now see the Biden presidency as an opportunity. I'm very concerned about the next two plus years. Very concerned. Because I think recognizing the weakness and perhaps the vacancy of the current president, they will see this as opportunity to do things they might not otherwise do. And for the record, no, I do not think they would have done this with President Trump in office. I don't. There's something very distinctly dangerous about this time. Coming up, we're going to talk about the concern about nuclear war and how much this is actually on your mind. And we'll talk about the Chinese, the Chinese leadership. What is it they're talking about at this time? We better pay attention to this because, again, the theme between both these countries, Russia and China, is aggression. Stay with us. Over on the text line, this texture says, Biden's comments are a great example of someone who's been in politics for too long and out of touch with real Americans and the life we live. Vince, not only does China own thousands of acres of U.S. land, they own the dunce in the White House. <laughs> As for the nuclear strike climate, the rapture and tribulation period might be close. You just never know. Vince, mainstream media is using possible nuclear war as a distraction from the tanking U.S. currency and economy. Well, I think we need to keep these concerns in tension because they are not mutually exclusive. Not at all. The U.S. Sun has a piece about this danger. World-ending nuclear war with Putin could wipe out 5 billion people and block out the sun for years. We haven't had these kinds of conversations for years. We haven't thought we've needed to because the Cold War is over with. It's been over for decades. But it's Vladimir Putin who has us thinking about this again, right? Five billion people. That's a B. Fears growing Putin. Escalating the nuclear threat in the war in Ukraine as his botched invasion drags on into its ninth month. 
Speaking to the Sun Online, disaster expert Paul Ingram said during the Cold War, it was often said we had enough nuclear missiles to blow the world up several times over. This isn't the case anymore. There are more than 12,000 nuclear warheads worldwide. Russia alone has almost 6,000. The blast and radiation from these would lead to casualties of 200 to 300 million worldwide. Ingram, from the Center for the Study of Existential Risk at the University of Cambridge, also warned of apocalyptic aftershocks from any nuclear conflict. On top of the immediate deaths, the all-out nuclear exchange would throw up so much radioactive soot it would obscure the sun for several years. That would lead to the deaths of up to 5 billion people worldwide. He added the danger of such a strike on a country like Ukraine, which is seen as a breadbasket because of its wheat production. This could trigger worldwide food shortages. Crops would fail worldwide. This would cause a lack of food. Temperatures plummet worldwide by up to 16 degrees Celsius. Bread baskets like Ukraine would never rise above freezing point. And the center of London, he said they're at risk of direct blasts and radiation. No one would be safe. 12,700 nuclear warheads worldwide. Of those, 6,000 are in Russia. 5,400 here in the U.S. And it's not just those that are launched from land. We also have those that can be launched from sea. The U.K. has 225 nuclear warheads, most kept on board Trident submarines. China, France, Pakistan, India, Israel, North Korea, all part of the nuclear club. Russia has the world's biggest nuclear arsenal. Many of those weapons date back to the Cold War. Their current status, unclear. Colonel Stuart Crawford from the British Army. Russia's tactical nukes have been in storage since the 1990s. We don't know. They've been well-maintained or serviced. He was speaking after the science journal Nature Food released a paper in August examining the potential outcomes of a nuclear war between the two countries. The paper found that even a limited nuclear conflict in which two countries unleash weapons on each other could trigger global famine. A large percent of the people will be starving. It's really bad. The paper used parallels such as forest fires to model the climatic effects of multiple nuclear explosions over cities. Scientists analyzed six war scenarios, each of which would pump different amounts of radioactive soot into the atmosphere. Each scenario would cut surface temperatures anywhere between 1 and 6 degrees Celsius, and the effects could linger for more than a decade. Terrace Young, author of the books Nuclear War in the UK and Apocalypse Ready, told The Sun Online, nuclear war is not survivable. We're far better prepared for cyber attacks than we are for nuclear war. 
We have the National Cybersecurity Center. Education's key. The government needs to do more to educate people on the threats out there. Andrew Futter, professor of international politics. It's very difficult to plan for an event like this. You need to plan for how society would function if there's disruption to food, energy, and medical supplies. He said the UK could probably survive a single nuclear strike, but a significant attack would be devastating. Should the Russians deploy their nuclear missiles, the West vengeance would be swift and terrible. Russia would cease to exist as a country, but nobody would escape ugly consequences something to think about coming up we'll talk about what you're thinking about this in our number two straight ahead from the heart of the carolinas a voice of reason an oasis of civility and humanity i'm on a journey the pursuit of truth not just facts to fill the head but also life-changing power to change hearts and transform minds a journey of relationship to connect to people of goodwill everywhere to build upon civil society to transcend tribal divisions with timeless values and love a growing coalition of choice not coercion are you with me this is the vince copley radio program Hour number two of our broadcast, before the break, we share with you the dire concerns about the impact of nuclear conflict, what it could do to the planet, which is really interesting in light of all of the hysteria that's been created over alleged global warming. I love this text. There's a lot of people out there concerned about how plastic and straws are affecting the whales, turtles, and coral reefs that will still vote for the party that's nonchalantly leading us toward nuclear war. Priorities, people. Come on. (laughs) We also have this. Vince, as crazy as it is, as long as we abide, have Biden in office, I don't think we'll ever see any nuclear warhead explosions. And I say that because if this ever did take place, the Democrats could no longer use global warming as a reason to spend money. My gosh. So what are you thinking? What are you thinking about this nuclear threat? The Hill has this story. Americans' nuclear fears surged to the highest levels since the Cold War. Not surprising. At a moment when the global COVID-19 pandemic is finally loosening its grip on the public consciousness as an object of existential dread, a new fear has swept into planet nuclear annihilation. Russia's invasion of Ukraine has stoked U.S. nuclear fears like no other event since the close of the Cold War. In poll after poll this year, a majority of Americans have said they believe Russian President Vladimir Putin may unleash nuclear weapons in Ukraine, as Putin himself has threatened. Peter Kuznick, a history professor, director of the Nuclear Studies Institute at American University, referring to the tense 1962 standoff between the United States and Soviet Union, the level of anxiety is something I haven't seen since the Cuban Missile Crisis. And that was short-lived. This has gone on for months now. And it has. 
Nuclear unease surged with the February 24th invasion, then spiked further when Putin put his nuclear forces on high alert days later. Tensions eased over the summer as the Ukraine invasion faded from the headlines, and Americans grew to accept the lingering war as a new normal. Fears rose again this month amid suggestions Putin might resort to using nuclear weapons to stem mounting losses. Several polls in February and March found Americans increasingly concerned about imminent nuclear peril. In a new Reuters Ipsos poll released Monday, 58% of respondents said they fear the United States is headed toward nuclear war. Chris Jackson, who is the senior vice president of Ipsos, said, I don't recall any time in the last 20 years where we've seen this sort of level of concern about the potential for nuclear apocalypse. So you're concerned, and rightfully so. Rightfully so. Earlier in the broadcast, I told you we're going to talk about the other threat. We've talked about Russia. There's also the China threat. I'm not sure we will, if time permits, we will talk about it. If not today, Lord willing, tomorrow. But I do want to draw your attention to something closer to home. And that's a person, a highly respected person. Many of you, especially in the upstate, are very familiar with Jim Bohannon. He has filled in a number of times on 106.3 WORD, including for myself. I think I've talked to Jim Bohannon one time, maybe a couple of years ago. It was really cool for me to talk to him. I'll explain why a little bit later on. Reason I'm bringing up Jim. So I want to share with you um, something that was shared by the RTNDA president and CEO. That's Radio and Television News Directors Association. Dan Shelley talked about that calming, reassuring, baritone voice heard on radio stations across the United States. But it came to an end this past Friday. The last edition of the Jim Bohannon Show, syndicated nationally to more than 300 stations across the country. Unfortunately, the reasons for this are not good. Jim, at the age of 78, is getting weaker. It's almost always fatigued. He's lost about 100 pounds. His hands and feet have been num numbed by neuropathy, sometimes in pain. Jim Bohannon has terminal metastatic esophageal cancer, diagnosed last year. He's now in in-home hospice care. The big change for Jim Bohannon's career happened when he moved to a station in Chicago. The owner of that station, Mutual Broadcasting System, discovered him and asked him to fill in whenever Larry King took time off. I remember this. I used to listen to the Larry King show years ago. January 1993, King moved to Afternoons. The Jim Bohannon Show was born Monday through Friday. He moved back to D.C. 
His national program became appointment listing. Appointment listing for almost 30 years. Also hosted America in the Morning, an early morning radio news magazine program. My memory of Jim goes back years, years of being a news junkie before I got into the news business. And as a preteen, I would listen to mutual news on the hour. Give, give you an idea how bad a news geek I was, a news nerd. I actually had my radio. I had a clock radio that actually could be set by the second. I had it cut on literally on the hour or a half hour for mutual news to come on. And I remember in those early days listening to Jim Bohannon do business reports out of Chicago. WCFL, I believe it was. WCFL, Chicago. I loved his voice. I thought, wow, this guy's a great voice. But I thought it was important that I draw attention to the season that Jim is now in. I ask those of you within the sound of my voice, pray for Jim as he fades into the sunset. And uh, we so appreciate the contributions he's made, his career, everything I've heard about Jim. He is just a genuine good guy. But I thought you ought to know what has happened to Jim and uh, the fact that he is... Life is coming to a close. So we thank Jim for everything, all of his contributions. Stay with us. Back on the broadcast, this texture says, Vince, you know we are doomed. Doomed! When Piers Morgan and Bill Maher are making sense. Yeah, I have a good friend who watches Bill Maher's show. And it's pretty interesting to me. I mean, from what I'm able to see, Bill Maher is still a leftist. But there are a lot of things that have surprised me. Things that he said. Pretty shocking. On the issue of nuclear war... This person says, this sounds like Ukraine's problem. Why is the U.S. obligated to be Ukraine's savior? <laughs> okay. This texter saying, pray for Jim Bohannon. I heard that announcement last night. Also this, I'm so sorry to hear about Jimbo. Love to hear him when he filled in on 106.3 WRD. May God be kind and merciful. Another texter, 106.3 WRD features replays of Jim's show on Sunday nights. I heard his announcement last night. Absolutely heartbreaking. Jim out of Easley says, I'm so saddened to learn about Jim Bohannon and his condition. He'll be sorely missed. He's a true voice of sanity in a world gone crazy. Not surprisingly, a lot of comments about a gentleman that I've said that 
just pretty much universally everybody agrees with just a just a decent gentleman aside from the fact being a very talented broadcaster so we will continue to pray for him during these very challenging days ahead one of the subjects we addressed a few days ago the military authorization that is something comes up every single year so there were even efforts by Democrats to put a provision in this legislation to make women register for the draft and you want to talk about absolutely crazy this is where we are not familiar with this young lady but she is a frequent guest on Gutfeld on the Fox News Channel I'm referring to Catherine Tempf she goes by cat and she had some pretty strong comments about the subject of the draft she's a libertarian columnist and TV personality and I think this probably resonates with so many people, not just the comments about the draft, but we've watched for the past few years as there's been a, a real awakening on this subject of war. I certainly would not consider myself a pacifist, but I think the more I see the patterns that have unfolded in recent years, we've seen people just way way too eager to get militarily involved in situations frankly where a good part of the time it's none of our business any case i want you to hear what cat temp has to say about the draft listen up okay well i don't agree with the draft I, um, yeah. Yeah. yeah with you on that i'm against the draft period <laughs> thanks few of you out there appreciate it uh, yeah, I, I don't think the government has the right to compel you to risk your life for its own ends with you, which you may or may not agree with yourself, especially considering how, uh, you know, we've already seen it used to fight battles that are not our own battles. We wouldn't need to be thinking about this if we weren't so obsessed with inserting ourselves into every single global conflict out there. It's completely wrong. It's completely gross, especially because the people who call for war are never the ones that have to go fight it. Right. And the people who bring us to the blink, brink of nuclear war, they have bunkers. Yeah. Right. So, f*** you. Yeah. <laughs> I think you can figure out what she had to say to these folks. The ones likely to cause war. <laughs> the second word is you. I think you can figure out what the word goes right before that. We'll just leave it there. I mentioned the twin threats that we face on the global stage. One of them is Russia, the other, China. Once again, we see some very, very good reporting by the UK Daily Mail on what the Chinese are up to. Get a load of this. Chinese President Xi warns he may use force to retake Taiwan and slams the U.S. for interfering as he opens the 20th Communist Party Congress, where he will cement his place as the world's most powerful ruler since Mao. In his speech, the Chinese president boasted about complete control over Hong Kong. 
but also warned of looming conflict against Taiwan independence. He said unification with Taiwan was inevitable and said China would never abandon the use of force, instead noting the nation will accelerate building up its military might. This is pretty serious. Warning he may use force to retake Taiwan. Slamming foreign interference in any reunification efforts. I just think this is another important reminder about the threat that we actually face here. Now, we've heard comments out of this administration. In fact, Joe Biden probably went further than may have been wise, making it very clear that we would respond militarily should they move toward Taiwan. Call me cynical. I don't happen to believe that the communist Chinese government is at all afraid of us. I don't think there's any fear there whatsoever about what we might do. Maybe I'm wrong about this. But I do believe that what is happening right now under the Biden administration, the feckless foreign policy that we've seen has communicated such weakness that we're vulnerable over the next couple of years. Very concerned. What are your thoughts? Love to get your thoughts on all of these subjects we've addressed. The threat of nuclear war, the concern about Russia and China in general, and the adventurism these two countries may engage in as a result of knowing that who in the world's going to stop them? Am I thinking the right way, or do you happen to believe the picture isn't as dire as I make it sound? Still to come in the broadcast, we'll talk about elections 2022 and 2024. As for 2022, the midterms, a race that still blows my mind in a state where you would think conservatives would just be running away with it. (laughs) We'll tell you what's happening there as we continue the broadcast. Stay with us. Wow, the texts are scrolling away here on the text line. We start here. Vince with Biden in the White House, no one respects us. Never mind, fear us. Vince, all the military branches missed or barely reached recruiting goals this year. Less than 1% of our population is willing to defend the amazing freedoms we enjoy here. Very, very sad. I'm fine with women being drafted. Israel has no issues with it. I, too, agree with Kat as far as a matter of Republicans having no issues wanting to send troops into war from the safety of being behind a talk show microphone. Good morning, Vince. Don't know if you talked about it or even commented on it today. What was your take on the Herschel Walker debate? Did not see it. I'd love to hear what you think about it. I'd love to know how Herschel Walker actually did in that contest. 
I believe the Chinese are fearful of the U.S., but not with the leadership we have. They know if we had a stronger leadership, a military move on Taiwan would be a mistake. With the ties Biden and his family have to China, I'm sure he made those statements and gave the wink, wink, nod. Another person saying here, Biden is simply mentally reckless. E. Yeah, pretty much. Just a sampling of some of the items here on the text line. A race you may not have heard. And this is frankly something that should not be a concern in this particular state, but it blows my mind. I stopped trying to figure people out. I really have. People do some really crazy things. You would think a state like Utah would be a slam-dunk conservative state that would stand with someone solid like Mike Lee, one of the most reliable conservatives on the planet. This guy always has liberty scores in the 90s. But it looks like he's got a battle on his hands. The Utah Senate race. Utah. His opponent, you've probably heard of, Independent Evan McMullen. Let's make no mistake about it. Evan McMullen is a progressive. In any case, now he's the wild card in this race. Recent polls show the race is close, with McMullen trailing Lee by only a few points. In a state where Republican victories are usually all but guaranteed, Lee, a conservative, who supported then-President Trump's effort to challenge the 2020 election results January 6th, is a star among many members of Utah's Republican base, but his unpopularity among moderates and Democrats has driven his approval rating down to the low 40s. That's a problem. Richard Davis, an emeritus professor of political science at Brigham Young University, citing recent polls by Desiree News and the Hinckley Institute of Politics, says this is within the margin of error. It could go either way. It's neck and neck. If McMullen manages to pull off an upset, here's where this is significant, folks. His pledge to not caucus with either Democrats or Republicans could throw the battle for control of the Senate into turmoil. If Republicans wind up keeping retiring Senator Pat Toomey's Pennsylvania seat in GOP hands, defeating the Democratic incumbent in Nevada or Georgia, McMullen could still keep the Senate under Democrat control by voting for Chuck Schumer as majority leader. Conversely, he could swing it to Republicans by affiliating with Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell or simply not affiliating with either party which would give Republicans a 50-49 majority with one unaffiliated senator in the chamber. Davis says he's in the catbird seat because as an independent, both sides are going to want to give him something to get his vote for determining the Senate majority in an evenly split chamber. Can't imagine he's going to caucus with Republicans. But he had to say he wasn't going to caucus with the Democrats to win over the very people he's trying to win over right now. Such treachery. He could be in an extremely powerful situation if he gets to determine which way the Senate is organized, which party gets the majority. 
What he's going to do is negotiate on Utah's behalf, get things done for Utah out of this. By the way, the polls show Lee leading McMullen 41 to 37. 12% of Utah voters undecided. This is scary stuff, folks. And one other brief clip, as if we needed another documentary. Christopher Goldbranson's upcoming documentary, A Storm Foretold. He now has some video that he has put out there from Roger Stone. Remember him? Roger Stone, who was probably one of the biggest Trump supporters, now singing a very different tune. This is from January of 2021. Basically, with 2024 in mind, he makes a pretty strong statement about supporting impeachment, but not supporting the former president in 2024. Listen up. I'm done with this president. I'm I'm going to go public supporting impeachment. I have no choice. He has to go. He has to go. Run again. You'll get your brains beat in. All righty. Roger Stone. (laughs) My gosh. How many of these documentaries will be released between now and 2024? I mean, really. This is... um, the nature of the beast when it comes to politics, right? <laughs> Stay with us. This is the Vince Coakley Radio Program.